Hi. <laughs> Hello, I'm Brendan, and Matt. this is... And I'm Matt. Matt Anson. Welcome to the People of Starflink podcast. Um, the podcast where we talk to real estate business leaders from around the country who are part of our network. And uh, we want to know a few things. We want to know how their journey has shaped them as a leader. How has their business been shaped by the big decisions that they faced head on as a leader? What challenges are they focused on right now? Because let's be honest, the challenges that they face are shared challenges. Their other businesses will be going through the same thing. So today, we're very excited to speak with Michael Nitschke of Nitschke Real Estate. Uh, Matt, what were your thoughts on our chat with Michael? I really enjoyed the chat with Michael. Um, anyone who's followed us over the years has no doubt seen Michael on a number of our mm. different videos or different articles. Also, if you've been to any of our events, chances are you've met him there. So yeah, he was one of our first staffing clients and I think his story is really beneficial for any others who are you know, at the start of this journey. Mm. 100% agreed. Um, look, sometimes these business podcasts can be a little bit dry. Uh, we're gonna try and avoid that. But I really think that uh, Michael helped us with this. He brought his A game, so generous with his answers, so likable. Um, even uh, ignoring my strangely worded questions, which you'll listen to in a bit. Um, but really, the thing that really struck me was how he's turned his vulnerability into a superpower. Um, like that. This is really clear in the part of the story where he talks about the passing of his father and his sort of baptism of fire as a business leader. And he just lent into it, and he's just, it's just one of the most impressive things. I really, really admire that. Um, that was my favorite bit. I thought the whole chat was great. So without further ado, here is our chat with Michael Nitschke. Enjoy. Hey guys, how are we? Uh, hello, how are you? Yeah, good, never in doubt, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey Brendan, nice to meet you, mate. Yeah, I'm Michael. Hey Matt, how are you? Yeah, going well, going well. How about you? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. I couldn't help but think about the irony of um, catching up to do a, a podcast about technology and not being able to actually start a Zoom call. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> we might leave that bit off the podcast. We won't <laughs> that, maybe. So uh, you talk a lot about the Adelaide Hills, and I wonder if you might start off with convincing someone to move from Queensland to Adelaide Hills. Give us a bit of a plug of your local place and, you know, what you love about it love to would love to and, and thanks again for the opportunity to have a chat with you guys today um so how do i sell the adelaide hills to the queensland market in the middle of winter that's pretty challenging <laughs> <laughs> as i look outside today oh, actually we've got a bit of sun today but it's been yeah. a week or so but now look, the adelaide hills uh offers a great lifestyle um it's uh it's a pretty affordable place to live um comparatively to other markets around the country um, it's still, um, you know, in terms of proximity to Adelaide, we're, you know, 20 to 30 minutes away from the CBD, but we don't quite have the, you know, the urban feel. You've got, you know, beautiful vistas of wineries, you know, uh, around every corner, um, great cafes, eateries, um, and then, you know, just a, a really nice blend of, you know, historical heritage sort of um, architecture and properties, but then also, um, you've got some um, great redevelopment areas like where our office is physically located in Mount Barker. It's one of the fastest growing uh, communities in, in the country. So there's plenty of um, exciting things going on there too. So yeah, I'm pretty biased, but I think it's one of the best places to live. 
as a uh, as an ex coffee man, as someone who has coffee shops, I'm glad you shouted out to the cafes. Absolutely. And can I also say that Matt predicted that you would mention wines uh, winery within the first <laughs> question? <laughs> so. If we're having Michael Nitschke bingo, he's got one one thing on his uh, card already. Um, I want to jump back to to 2006, where you say you first started in in uh, in real estate. Um, and what does your sort of baptism of fire look like originally? Yeah, uh, so 2006, I was uh, I was 18, um, and so that uh, feels like a lifetime ago today, but. I started out in a um, sort of a, a junior sales role, I guess, uh, in the business. And um, you know, back then, my community, like potentially a lot of areas around the country, was quite traditional. You know, like uh, if we kind of consider technology was kind of emerging, like um, this pretty cool thing called the internet was starting to do a few things, which we thought was pretty interesting. Um, Realestate.com was a fraction of the cost of it is today. <laughs> Um, and, you know, like for our market back then um, and the way I was trained, it was, you know, a lot of um, newspaper ads and traditional sort of forms of marketing. And, uh, you know, um, we we had things in our office like a, a duty roster where you would literally sit downstairs in reception and clients would walk in and ask you what properties you had available this week and would, uh, would I be interested in coming and seeing them to sell their house? Um, it doesn't quite work like that anymore, but back then <laughs> that's how it was. I just ask what um what was your tech setup like back then? Like what programs were you running? How much stuff was actually online? Yeah, wow. Uh, look, um, yeah. We, in terms of tech, I guess because back then it wasn't you, know, you didn't have the freedom of, of mobile internet that we have today. Not not to mention AI and all those other things. So. Now, back then uh, we had a traditional we did have a crm and it was the crm was um, i think multi-array back then um and that also uh, ran our website that we had so we did have a website and a lot in that era like um and i'm not that old i don't think anyway but um a lot of agencies you know it was quite unique to have an independent website so we did actually have that we were a member of a franchise group back then but we had our own site um, but yeah, in terms of day-to-day -day tech, um, you know, we had a very, very basic CRM system um, that we started off with, with multi-ray, where you'd sort of import contact details. Um, when you ran an open home, you'd have a clipboard with a, a pen and paper, which, um, you know, it had pretty good battery life, but in terms of extra features, it was pretty limited. <laughs> but that was about it, really. And, um, you know, like you'd, um, I guess you'd, you, you, we, we'd, in saying that, we, we would get, obviously, access to emails, so we'd get inquiries and those sorts of things emailing through. But, um, yeah, very traditional back then, not a lot of tech that we had at our disposal. And can you contrast that with what, what it looks like now? What's the tech setup you've got sort of now as compared to, if you give us an overview? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's obviously so, so different uh, today. Uh, tech is um, wrapped around everything that we do. Uh, I think one of the challenges for businesses um, in, in the modern era now is that um, technology is everywhere. And what you've got to be really, really clear on is, um, is the technology that you're you know using in your business, is it helping your people to, you know, in the sales world, prospect better, win business better or sell properties better? And if it's not, then sometimes it can feel like tech for tech's sake. So a lot of the time it's about just striking that balance. So 
One of the things that we look for with our tech stack is we want to make sure that everything um, connects uh, in some way, shape or form. Um, so whether that's, you know, an API integration or just a natural step in our workflow. So, um, you know, uh, in, a, in its very basic form, one of the um, products that we use that, that, that your team offers that works really well for that is, is obviously our agency hub, which just gives us that environment for the team to log in and have access to what they need. Um, and it'll either be via an integration into um, uh, one of our, you know, pieces of tech, like our CRM, for example, or it'll be a, a form where they can actually submit a request that the team's able to get their work done. So there's pretty much not an aspect of our business that isn't touched, touched by technology today. And in terms of that technology, how has that impacted on the sort of the way that you're able to structure your um, departments, for example? Um, can you talk to us about, have you gone down more of a portfolio or like a task-based approach to property management? Has that changed over the years as with the tech or can you speak? Yeah, most, it really has definitely. Like um, 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 our relationship began with Starflink very shortly after my uh, journey as a leader began at Nitschke really abruptly. And so, um, you know, Starflink exposed us to some different ways of working because at that time we had a very traditional um, you know, uh, portfolio-based property management structure. Um, and that was because of the legacy tech we had at that time meant that you kind of needed that superhero PM doing everything from start to finish that knew everything about every file that they had. But fast forward to, you know, uh, time of recording, um, you know, we, we have a task-based structure. We still have portfolios where essentially our, our property management, uh, property managers, sorry, and our senior PMs, um, they, they're primary, primarily responsible for the relationship between the landlord, tenant and Nitschke. Uh, and they spend most of their time in the office as a result of that. Now, the office sometimes can be working from home because we've got a hybrid setup, but they're basically on the phone engaging with their clients on a daily basis because of the support with the task-based structure, whether it be offshore, whether it be uh, automations and API work or whether it be our um, field services team and, and PM support helping underpin, you know, day-to-day -day tasks enables them to just purely focus on relationships, which is at the core of what we do. You mentioned um, the working from home um, aspect there, which is definitely a, a sort of a trend that's been maybe exacerbated by COVID, obviously, and stuff. I'm interested in what your thoughts of um, what the future of property management looks like. Do you... Do you see AI playing a part? Do you see working from home being more of a more of an issue, more of a um, thing that happens often? Um, what other trends are you seeing? Where, where, where do you see property management in say five years from now? If you don't mind peering into your crystal ball for me, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, I found one of those, so I'm, I'm set. I know exactly <laughs> what it's going to be. No, look, uh, none of us know the future, but I think one thing that we can say with complete confidence is that. The consumer if we start at that at the very core of what we do the consumer is going to demand more and more for less and less and so the challenge for any business um it doesn't matter what industry you're in is how do you deliver a better and better service experience with less effort and less cost um, and i guess for me as a leader of the business i then look at you know my consumer or client is not just the end user in terms of a, a landlord tenant a purchaser or vendor but it's also uh, our team and, and our staff at Nitschke. So, you know, how do we create a, a better and better working environment, whether that's um, team members, like we have some team members at Nitschke that um, 
work very, very well from home and that's their their preference. And we, we certainly allow that flexibility or, or work with them on that. Then we have other team members that really want to be in a working environment um, with other colleagues in the building. So we, we try and offer a blend of both. But I think that, you know, I, I, I certainly don't know anywhere near the level of, um, you know, detail of um, that, that a developer would around AI and tech and those sorts of things. And that's why we we partner with um, the great team like you guys at Starflink to, to guide us there. But it comes back to us coming back to that principle of, you know, we, we've just got to continue to come up with ways to deliver a, a world-class service that's going to continue to lift because that's what the expectation is going to be. And, you know, ultimately for a tighter and tighter margin. And so that's um it's a roller coaster ride we're all on. And you know, we've just got to keep innovating to stay to stay with it. One of the ways that um, real estate has been dealing with that tightening margin is obviously through the use of off offshore labor and uh, virtual assistance. Um I'm interested in your original perception of that um when you first explored it as opposed to now um has that evolved or changed over the years or what would you say to someone who still maybe has some hesitancy around exploring that yeah i mean i can i guess somewhat understand the hesitancy um depending on you know the the type of leader that would be looking at at that concept i guess if you're the sort of leader that wants to you know control every aspect of your business and and um you know, feel like you need to see your staff working to know that they're working, then you, you will struggle with offshore. Um, I think, though, if you're, you know, can maybe shift your thinking to um, find a, a level of vision and passion around, you know, the environment um, that your team's working in and, and giving them the tools that they need, but then ultimately trusting and inspiring them to then, um, you know, work and perform the, the tasks that they need to in, in their own way, um, you know, to standards, don't get me wrong, like I'm not saying just let everyone do whatever they want, but, you know, just allow that to unfold. Um, I guess one of the things that helped us to really embrace the offshore term component in our business and, and to ultimately do really well out of it is um, we've, we've gone through a process uh, where we've evaluated how we do literally every process in our business um, and we're continually looking at that and ways to refine and improve it. And um, we're always looking at ways that, you know, where, where can technology take, you know, if we can get some time back to our onshore team, um, the time that they get back, they're able to actually give more to the consumer, give more, you know, improve the relationships that we've got with landlords, tenants, suppliers, give a better experience. Um, so if an offshore team member can take some administration or some repetitive data management work away, um, yes, an onshore team member could do it, but if an offshore team member can do it at a fraction of the cost and ultimately give us that asset back of time, um, that, you know, with the quality of people that we have at Nitschke and we continue to grow, um, that's so valuable for, for us. So we want to continually go down that path. So offshore is a key way of doing that. Now, how important is it for a leader to really prioritise that sort of work-life balance? Is that something that you spend a lot of time thinking about? It is. I, I genuinely do. And I'll say to you today that um, we haven't arrived at that space. Like it, it's a continual um, space of improvement and understanding. Um, you know, it's quite complex. You have different people that work in different ways. Take someone like myself, I, I, I struggle to switch off at any time. And I've got to balance that with others that maybe need a little bit more 
um, you know, they need that 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 time to switch off. And so um, we, we kind of view it, um, I know a concept that Lee Woodward talks about is rather than a work-life balance, it's a work-life blend and just allowing our teams to kind of find their groove and, and how they best work. Um, again, you know, we, we do have agreed standards and strategies that we all operate to, but allowing the flexibility for them to do it in the way that they can. Um, you know, a great example, though, thanks to the platform that we, we've built with um, the assistance of the team at StaffLink, you know, we've got an environment where, you know, for example, our BDM just got, got back from two weeks annual leave and she was able to completely switch off, um, enjoy her time away. She's back today and she's not dealing with complaints and, you know, all these calls to return and an endless email inbox. She's got a couple of things she's got to jump into, but the wheels just kept spinning because it's task-based and the team worked together. You didn't get an unexpected resignation letter. That's good. No, no, definitely not. And, and you know, it's funny, though, because, like, again, in, in the beginning with my leadership journey, I, there wasn't really a handover. So I was just like, bang, here I am. Um, and it was a business that was needing a lot of um, a lot of fixing and repair. And so I had many instances early on where more so when I went on annual leave and then I'd come back and or when I was away, someone would have resigned because it was in such a mess back then. Uh, whereas now, you know, team members come back from annual leave and they're re refreshed, they're recharged, they're ready to to um, whip into the next round of, of work and, and feeling good to be back. Uh, we, we, as a side note, we talk a lot about making businesses holiday proof so that sounds basically what you just described there um you talked about your own work ethic michael um and like just from from the outsiders looking in like you're very active on socials you've got a blog um my web team would be really upset of me if i didn't mention your beautiful website, website. you've also got a beautiful young family that you but you've got a lot going on. How do you do it? <laughs> oh, thank you for, for your kind feedback. I mean, I look, um, for me, it, it always starts with uh, I'm so fortunate in my life to be surrounded by incredible people. Um, you know, uh, most notably my wife, Kat, and my kids uh, are amazing. But then as I step into the business, um, our leadership team, and then, you know, ultimately the the team that is the Nitschke team, everyone um, plays their role and, and and does it to the best of their ability and we all support each other. So when you've got that sort of environment to come into work, um, you know, for me, it's such a, a, a pleasure and a privilege to be in a leadership role with a group of people like that. So I feel it's, it's my duty to just bring everything I can into that. Um, you know, once you've sort of got that mix right, I think... Um, you know, for me, having a really big vision for what I'm wanting to do, not only with my personal life, but with our, our business is what propels you forward. And, um, you know, at Nitschke, we've got our, our Everest mission is to be the number one real estate agency in our core market in the Adelaide Hills. And, you know, we haven't arrived at that. We're not the market leader as, as the time of recording, but we uh, we know we're really grounded in the reality of knowing um, a very clear vision of where we want to get to, but also really, really clear on the present moment and what we need to do to make our businesses that a little bit better and, and improve. Um, in terms of like ma maintaining energy and, and those sorts of things, uh, look, that is... <laughs> That's, that can be challenging. Um, I think uh, I try and kind of stay consistent with a few behaviours each day, you know, just with trying to get enough sleep and, um, you know, starting the day with um, moving your body around a little bit and, um, you know, cold shower and that sort of stuff that some people find a bit weird, but I just find that just resets so that then 
whatever the day uh, brings, um, I'll get the best out of it. And, and if not, I'll go to bed and try again tomorrow. It sounds a bit like your your three steps framework that you're talking about, that focus on the state, the physical state, the mental state. You, they, they all seem to need to be in order, right? They do. They do. And like I, I have all these little sayings that I've sort of learned over the years, but it, it just helps to provide a, a, you know clarity in times of you know, chaos and real estate is a pretty chaotic industry, as we know. Um, I think, you know, to remain really curious when things don't seem to go how you thought they would, don't allow your energy to get out of control, just sort of go, okay, well, that's interesting. What could we have done better? Um, and yeah, that three steps to success framework that we use in our business, we use still to this day. You know, we, we focus on state strategies and standards, and we're constantly looking at ways that we can improve that. Um, and that way, then it doesn't matter whether interest rates are up or down. If your vacancy rate is 8% or 2%, there's always opportunities to improve. Um, one thing that I've really got from talking to the team about you and watching some of your stuff is, is that it seems to me that cu curiosity is a real value that of yours. Um, um, and, and also, when I was into your podcast, a sense of vulnerability and a sense of honesty yeah. Um, I was really struck by them and I I wonder um, if you could I think they're really quite underrated values for a leadership leader to have do you think they're essential things or is it just a more of a reflection of that's just that's their your values yeah I can no thanks for saying that 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 means a lot I mean I, I think like vulnerability so you know my, my leadership journey started so roughly when you know my, my father passed away and and it was a challenge because he was the sort of person that was quite revered in the local community and within the industry there was a perception that there was a really smooth handover and that our relationship was really really good and so it was just like this effortless thing the reality was there wasn't anything like that. You know, he was someone that I, I wish I knew better. I didn't know him very well, um, I, not for lack of trying. Um, and then within the business, um, I was desperate to be given a really smooth handover because I really wanted, I was so passionate about Nitschke. At the time, we were a first national office and, and you know, for Nitschke first national to succeed. And um, that never happened. And so, you know, and then uh, not only that, but the nature of when the journey started, um, you know, our business was in a huge financial disarray to the point where we had six weeks of cash left when I started. And I had no idea of that. I was just made director and then dad passed away. So I was sort of struck with, I think because of the depths of how quickly things changed for me, I think for me, that was a, a real leadership. Looking back, it was a leadership infliction moment to go, I have to be vulnerable with my team and with my people because if I walk into a room and pretend that I know have all the answers and know everything, they're going to lose hope very quickly. They know that that's not the case. So what we adopted, and I guess what I adopted with the support of our team at the time, um, is the framework that, hey, um, I don't have all the answers. I don't know the answer to this. And property management was a classic. I had no idea. I was a salesperson. Yeah, as a salesperson, you always think you know property management. You definitely don't. And so, and that's what led to my curiosity to then ultimately discover uh, Joel and and um, and Bryn and Corey and the team at at Starlink was because I needed to know about developing um, better systems and processes for property management, um, and that curiosity was embedded within a vulnerability that I don't know the answer, but I'm going to find who does. Um, so you mentioned one of your goals, Michael, is obviously to be the number one agency in the Adelaide Hills. So that's yeah. a small feat. Um, you know, the team's obviously going to grow. 
what do you think your biggest point of difference is? Like, how will you support new team members as they come in and as you strive towards that target? Great question. And it, it, it is a big goal. And um, we've got some pretty big competitors in our area. And, you know, we deeply respect what they do. Um, but, you know, like how we combat that, I think it'll start by remaining, never forgetting what got us here. So remaining authentic and vulnerable and real. I think the real estate industry, I say this a lot, I, I think it's at times the most ridiculous industry on the planet because there's just so <laughs> much, there's so much ego and there's so much, uh, you know, overconfidence and cockiness when really we, we, we should be approaching it with um, that humble feeling of, you know, facilitating a move for people. That's all we're doing, um, whether it's renting or, or selling. And so I think, you know, being that 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 realness piece for us is really important. We, we have a philosophy in our business to be a human first and a real estate agent second. Um, and I think uh, one of the big value propositions that we have at Nitschke, you know, yeah, we've got We've got some nice marketing. We've got a great website. We've got good tech and and that underpinning things. But ultimately, um, you won't find a more supportive team uh, in the Adelaide Hills. And I think if you're a real estate agent, um, you know whether you're an established agent or you're considering uh, you're you're an existing property manager or you're new to the industry and curious as to what real estate's all about. I think you know to to reach out to our team and experience what it's like to be um, to just receive relentless support um, in your employment journey in your career, um, and then ultimately we deliver the same relentless support um, to our clients, and and that it leads the business to grow. So I think that's where we're just so confident that the journey we're on, uh, whilst it won't be easy, um, it, it's one that we'll inevitably get to at the right time. Um, you mentioned the being thrust into the into the role in 2018 quite unexpectedly. Um, yeah. If you had to give one piece of advice to Michael Nitschke in 19 in 2018, what is it? Yeah, that's that's huge. I I you know it's interesting. I, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't change a thing in terms of what the journey's been since then. Um, I think in terms of um, some advice that I would have said to myself back then is is to to remain to remain steady, knowing that um, you you just got to keep getting better before bigger. And we we kind of did that in the beginning anyway, but there were certainly times where like it was very very shaky ground, and and you know you really when you've got um, I touched on it earlier in the podcast. You, I didn't know it like this back then. It's, it's. Um, I think there's a phrase for it called the the Stockholm paradox, which is in a book by um, Jim Collins called Good to Great, um, where essentially what you've got to try and do as a leader and and to 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 be successful is you've got to have a really clear vision, but you've also got to be remaining really grounded in the realities of your present day and get the best out of the current moment. So I think probably to have had a little bit more depth of understanding of that back then would have been really helpful. Um, but again, um, if you, you know, my story is a bit of an extreme one with what happened. I mean, I was 30 when all of that went down. I think, you know, for other leaders that might be looking at this and they're, you know, maybe got some simpler decisions in front of them as to whether or not they, you know, give um, give this Airtable thing a go or whether they, um, you know, go and, 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 and employ their first person offshore. Um, don't be afraid. You don't have to have all the answers. Just just let go and understand that, look, you know, this might be something that I need to um, try with my team and and be vulnerable with them that, you know, this is something we're going to be in it together and we're going to learn together. 
Um, I'm interested in, in you, you seem to be um, being quite a mentor role for the people within your, with your business. Um, do you have any personal or business mentors who have been really important for you along the journey? Anyone that you want to give a shout out to who we may or may not have heard of? This is, I'm not leading you in any way, by the way. <laughs> Just genuinely interested. Uh, who, who do you look to for your own inspiration? Oh, look, there's there's so many, um, and it, it's like um, trying to pick, pick your favorite favorite kids um, as a, as a parent. Although that's a really logical start for me because I do. I my children give me tremendous inspiration every day. Um, you know, there's um, you know that quest as a as a parent as a father to to be the best possible version of of parent for them um, is is what gets me out of bed every day. Um, but I think then you know, like if we sort of turn our attention to the industry, I was. Really lucky um, to have some mentors already that I could lean on. Uh, people like Lee Woodward, who's an incredible uh, coach that we all know really well in the real estate space. Um, it was um, through, you know, trying to learn about, because um, from a, a, a property management perspective, I literally Googled Lee Woodward property management. And um, that's how I came across Starlink and ultimately Joel. And, you know, Joel Davis and the team at Starfleet, but Joel in particular has been a huge mentor for me. Uh, he's um, a, a, an industry leader and very innovative in his thinking. Uh, he's certainly, we've got, uh, I've got a lot as a leader to be grateful for, you know, the lessons that Joel's taught me. Um, Tanja Lee, another great coach that I've um, done a lot of work with that is great from a mindset and leadership perspective. And Tanja is a great personal friend to this day. And I guess then outside of that sort of on a high level, um, something that I did in the beginning and I still do a lot of today, back then it was out of necessity because we had no money to spend on big training. Um, but I consume books like no one's business. So, um, you know, head on to Amazon, you know, you, you can use it as a search engine. Any problem you've got, there's a book usually written about it that you can order. And so there's just countless books and literature that you can get your hands on. Uh, it goes back to the being curious as a leader thing. That's good. Um, Michael, I was watching a video you did recently where you were talking about an opportunity to, for someone to come and work with you. Um, you were asking for a reception concierge. That's where they would yeah. start. And I liked how you sketched out, this is where you're going to be starting. This is where you learn the nuts and bolts of the things. Then from there, it could either be sales or PM or operations. How important is that, do you think, to be able to give them a clear direction of where they could take their career if they start working with you? Yeah, we, we found it to be really beneficial and really important. So uh, it actually, um, the concept came out of necessity because um, one of the early challenges that I had as a leader um, in the property management space is that South Australia introduced mandatory licensing for property managers um, uh, right when I started. So I had all this other stuff going on and then all of a sudden we had to license our team. So we're like, we had to really think about, you know, recruitment differently. So we, um, you know, uh, in our in our business, we've got a lot of great success stories now of team members that have started uh, on reception and we love starting them there because it's like the, the hub of the business where you get to know everything that's going on um, and uh, you get to know the team as well. And then from there, we, um, through regular coaching and, and conversations, we can start to sort of work through um, where the, the, the career fit might be for that individual, whether it's um, the three part elements of the business that you talk about, operations, sales or property management. Um, and yeah, we, um, we engage our team. You know, we have an Everest mission for the business that I shared that 
I talk about all the time uh, within the team. We then um, we want to know, and uh, we, we we call it their um, their backpack survey. Like, have they got their backpack for the the Everest mission? Um, what what's their one three five plus year plan personally and professionally around where they want to take their career? So then we can you know try and plug in their their personal goals into the the Nishki mission as well. Um, we just find that the team then um, feels that they're more deeply connected to the vision and, um, you know, it, it becomes more personal for them that way. So, yeah, it's really important to do that. Yeah, because one of the things that we notice, uh, notice when we do the workshops around the company and stuff like that is that one of the most common pain points for businesses is recruitment and retention. So that's yeah. the kind of the context that I asked that question. Has that been true? Is that true for you still or...? It is, yeah. Like, um, like we're so so passionate about finding the right people. Like, we're really slow, slow to pull the trigger on someone um, in the interview process. We really want to understand them. We do a blend of recruitment techniques that include some profiling and extra interviews and questions. We really want to understand because we know that if we get the cultural fit right, um, we can we can train them on the rest. So we're not too worried about the technical fit. That's pretty straightforward. Real estate's not that hard. Uh, it's actually though the, the challenge is getting the right person that's got you know the the um, human first real estate agent second DNA, um, and you know we, we're prepared to be really patient around that to find the right person. You as a business use the goals function of the hub. Yeah, we do more strictly than anyone else does. Can you like? What do you get out of that, and why? What? How come you've sort of bought into it so much? Well, it's um, it's. Uh, I didn't realize we were one one of the the strongest users of it. That's really interesting. Look, it's a great feature. Like we, um, one of the secret sources at Nitschke is that we um we set what's called a quarterly priority for each department. So again, you know, sales, PM, whatever the case may be, we basically set a goal um for that quarter that. Um, is tiered. So it's like uh, green, yellow, or red tier. Um, we include a financial reward at each tier. And then across the entire office, because there's obviously the three to three or four departments doing this process, whatever is the lowest level that we get to, we have like a team lunch that we vote on to, to decide where we go. So like red level might be like coffee at the local coffee shop, with nothing wrong with that, by the way. Um, and then at the top, <laughs> top levels, like, you know, might be at a local winery, which is a little bit more extravagant. And um, what it's designed to do is if you come back to that that three steps of success framework, um, it's like outside of our normal day to day, what do we need to introduce to raise our standards in a particular era, area of the business? Um, and we want to incentivize the team around that, not just to pay people more money, but to help them to understand that, yeah, we, we do want to dig a bit deeper because... Unfortunately, our Everest mission isn't a flat mountain. It's a big climb and we need to try and get as far up as we can over the next quarter. So, yeah, unfortunately, the agency hub has a solution that fits really, really neatly into that framework. Um, considering renaming the the goals section, the Sherpa section to help you get up the Everest. <laughs> that, that could work. Yeah, we'll definitely. Send that out to the leadership team. Um, look, I think we've only got about five minutes before our Zoom cuts off. So, um Thank you, by the way, for your generous time, Mike. I really, really appreciate it. And um, I just wanted to mention that you're coming to the Starflink conference at the end of the month. Um, yes. I've been, you've been to a number of these. Can you kind of tell me why do you keep coming back? What do you get out of the, the Starflink conference? 
Oh, I get a lot out of it. I really do. And uh, I, I <laughs> the first conference was great. I think Joel spoke for two thirds of the time <laughs> <laughs> out of necessity, and it's it's great. <laughs> yeah, and that's part of what I've loved so much about Starlink is it's such it's this uh, ever growing uh, ecosystem of not not just great people that that work in your team, but it's it's the um, the sort of agencies and principles that it, it attracts. Um, you know, it, um, I know you don't necessarily employ this as as criteria, but you don't have. It seems like you have a no dickhead policy. Like everyone's just such an awesome person. Uh, everyone's freely sharing ideas. Um, you know, it's just a lot of fun. But it's also um, I always get so many great um, collaborate collaborative ideas and and suggestions to improve our business and some great relationships each year. So yeah, very excited for this one. Excellent answer. The the no dickhead policy definitely doesn't apply within the Starfleet office. I can just say, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we won't say anything more about that. Last question, Michael. Um, yep. What does I'm going to ask you? What does the future hold for Michael Nitschke? Are there any plans for you to sort of transition into a more broad sort of mentoring other business leaders? It seems like something that you'd be quite good at, if I can just say. Are you, are you, is that, do you see yourself stepping out of the sort of the business and working more broadly within the industry or what, what can we look forward to? Thank you. Yeah. Look, uh, I, I, I'll always say for as far as I can see it, um, my role in Nitschke will always be what it is today in terms of leading our business. That's definitely will always be the core of what I do, but. Um, I've actually um, just finished a book uh, on my story. So sort of like a part memoir, part business book of some of the lessons that I've learned over the last four or five years uh, in our journey. And I'm, I'm really hoping that that's a platform then that, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to have the opportunity to, to speak and coach and mentor um, people that, that need it, you know, that might be facing, you know, a, a similar set of circumstances or just wanting to draw some inspiration from that story. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's definitely the plan in time, just slow, but steady, but yeah, really enjoying what I'm doing. Well, there you have it guys. That was our chat with Michael Nitschke. Uh, how good was that, Matt? How good is that man? What a guy. What a guy. Um, so what do you learn? What was your takeaways from that? Do you reckon? Biggest thing from that is he's always looking to grow, always looking to be better. Um, not afraid to admit when, you know, there's stuff that he doesn't know. Mm. Um, and then That's obviously he wants to take that to his team and help them to be the best that they can be. Yeah, I, I came away thinking, man, vulnerability, curiosity, they're seriously great attributes for a leader to have. Uh, Michael has these in spades. He seems to be someone who, like you said, who when he does, doesn't know something, doesn't ever bluster, doesn't pretend. He's like, yep, I don't know this, but I'm going to find out. Um, and just someone who sort of seeks mentors and, and guidance. But he is someone who is also the guide himself. Like you can just see that the way that would be like to work in his business would be amazing. And speaking of which, I just wanted to finish up by encouraging you guys to head to michaelnitschke.com.au uh, where you can buy his book that he was alluding to at the end there. It's called Leading Out of Loss. And um, just from listening to him today, and I can tell it's going to be a cracker of a book. Um, but you can also book Michael for one-on-one -on -one coaching. Is that what you said, Matt? Yeah, he can be booked for mentoring um, or speaking roles. So 
anyone who yeah thinks that Michael's story has uh, a positive message behind it or can add something to their team, definitely head over to his website and check that out. Yeah, so do check it out. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.